Hello and welcome to The Good Robot Andy's Season 9, Episode 8. My name is Andy Balaam and this is... Andy Cockerill. And the thing that we're going to talk about this evening is... Well, I think you're going to talk about something this evening, actually. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm going to, Why don't you well, tell us what it is? So, I'm going to... I, I didn't realise it was just me. Is it just me talking about it? I haven't seen it, so... Oh, oh, it better be, okay. Oh, is that okay if I spoil it for you? I'm going to talk about The Matrix Resurrections. Yes, which you have seen. But is it okay if I spoil it for you? Yes, I think it is. Okay, yes, okay, because okay, okay. it's now been out for a little while and mm-hmm, I'm probably mm-hmm. not going to be able to avoid stuff online. So I think you just have to go for it. Okay, okay. Frankly. I didn't, didn't realise you hadn't seen it. So I have to, like, I've probably forgotten most of the plot, but at least I'll have my general impressions for you. Okay, that's good. It's probably good. But before, before we begin... We've got some any other business, folks. We haven't had one of these for a while. Yeah, we, well, we haven't done a pod for a while. No, we haven't. Well, we have, we've had Christmas, and um, you were doing some crunch coding oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. that prevented us from doing a pod on two yeah, occasions. One of my, Not what, that I'm bitter or anything. One of my hobby projects got badly out of control. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to point this out for any listeners listening, that um, uh, I, I almost always avoid any type of crunch at work i think it's a terrible idea and anyone who's yeah. asking you to do it is probably a fool and they'll get can bad you explain work what crunch you. sorry i, I yeah. said crunch you said crunch what does it mean in um, coding terms so it, it's it's often used in the um games industry actually uh, a lot of games the last few months of the project people work you know 18 hour days and seven days a week um and they desperately desperately um try and do more hours in order to get more work done because there's right. a deadline and uh it's a terrible idea you get worse work done and this in fact even in my hobby project that was true but <laughs> it, it didn't work very well um, because of because of the um silly yeah so staying up late doesn't work. make better code it just means you write more and it's worse yeah so um yeah uh it won't it won't work if you're a manager don't ask people to do it if you're a manager um, resist it or go somewhere else doesn't work have done that in my career mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yes yes anyway I have done that <laughs> so latter, I want, want to be absolutely former. clear that this this um, this foolish working pattern was nothing to do with my work which is going very well and I'm really enjoying <laughs> oh good that's good that's good <laughs> okay so any other business <clears throat> first the good news mm-hmm. um, a a, a, a TV show that I talked about quite some time ago on the pod, I think maybe it was last year or the year before, maybe, called Toast of Tinseltown. Okay. Which is the follow-up to <clears throat> a show called Toast of London with Matt Berry, <clears throat> who plays uh, an actor called Stephen Toast. Oh, who is, okay. I remember you saying something about I this. I think yeah. we can reliably say is an idiot. Right. And a man who is... Uh, who has an inflated sense of his own self-worth in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, the, there's a book, and an audio book, called... Um, oh, what's it, what's it called? Toast? Oh, yeah, Cheese on Toast, I think it's called. Right. Um, which is him basically rubbishing all other fantastic actors, like, <laughs> I met Sir Ian McCullum once, what a hack! You know, this kind of thing. <laughs> that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that that so name just gives and that. gives, doesn't it? Toast, you can do anything yeah. with it. You can do anything with it, yeah. Um, so, um, uh, there's a follow-up being produced by the BBC called Toast of Tinseltown, Mm -hmm. in which he moves from, um, the West End of London to Hollywood, Mm -hmm. and presumably makes a hash of that as well. 
So uh, that's now on BBC iPlayer, which I'm looking forward to watching. Well, that's good news. I'm warming to this uh, Any Other Business section. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the good news. The bad news is that a couple of um, very, very important film filmic type people have died recently. Mm, you may to, have heard of them, to listeners. Usual service. But usual service. Uh, the first one is um, a film director called Peter Bogdanovich, who hasn't made anything for quite some time, sadly. Well, but, what would I know that he directed? So he directed a movie called The Last Picture Show. I heard of it, I think. In 1971, which features a young and disturbingly beautiful looking Jeff Bridges. Because <laughs> Jeff Bridges, actually, Jeff Bridges is still a very good looking older man, but when he was young, he was. Um, a stud muffin, mm-hmm. let's face it. Uh, him and uh, another a, a young actress called Sybil Shepherd, um, and it's it's about the local cinema in their town closing down, and you know all the ramifications of that. And it's sort of a nostalgia picture, I suppose. Okay, made in seventy one. That's fantastic. Right. That received eight Academy Award nominations, including Best Picture, um, and various other. Uh, various other awards um, and then following that he made What's Up Doc with Barbara Streisand right. as, as she is known which is like a goofball comedy which was in 1972 somewhat unusual but was a huge success mm-hmm. I think mainly carried along by the energy then another fantastic movie Paper Moon with um, Ryan O'Neill and oh now I forget. It's John McEnroe's ex-wife. I can't remember what, she, what her name was. I'll look her up in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, he then made <clears throat> three other films after that, which were less popular mm-hmm. and kind of disappeared, really. Uh, picked up the occasional sort of cameo acting role mm-hmm. and was famous in the 1970s for putting up Orson Welles, who lived in his house. And he was basically homeless and penniless. Right. <clears throat> so that was a bit of a twist of fate there, you know. Mm-hmm. You've got Orson Welles shacking up with you for a while. Um, but in the early 70s, he was certainly a force to be reckoned with. Right. Right. Um, very knowledgeable, very personable uh-huh. director, you know. Okay. Good to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um so that's the first bit of bad news. The second bit is that Hollywood legend and trailblazer Sidney Poitier um, has died, aged ninety-four. That's wow. a good old. That's a good old age. I've obviously heard of him. Yeah. So he was, um, I think, a man. Uh, so his family were f- from the Bahamas, and they moved to the United States, and he. I think blazed a trail at a time when when there were no black leading men mm-hmm. in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. There were supporting roles, but there were no black leading men. And he blazed a trail with a great deal of dignity and poise. Um, his most famous roles, probably there's a movie called Blackboard Jungle, which is fantastic. And then there's, of course, In the Heat of the Night. I don't think is, I've seen any films with him in. In the Heat of the Night is fantastic. Right. Yeah. Uh, but there are others. To Sir With Love, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, uh, are all multi-award nominated. Mm-hmm. Uh, latterly, he didn't 
do so much good stuff. Although he's in Stir Crazy with Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder, which is oh no, he he directed it actually. Didn't realize he directed that. Uh, and he was in the movie called Sneakers with Robert Redford, which I have quite a soft spot for. Name rings a bell. I feel like I've seen it, but I remember nothing um, about it. You probably have seen that, yeah, because mm-hmm. it's sort of computer hacking type right. thing. Well, it's a lot of fun. So yeah, two I would say like legends and giants of movies mm. passed away mm. recently. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so Bogdanovich was eighty-two, so not quite so old. So speaking of um, diversity in the movie industry, do you yeah. know anything about the Golden Globes? That happened recently. I, well, I don't because they weren't televised, but yeah, I do so know like nothing, some things won some awards. Like everyone boycotted <clears> them, right? They, they're kind of a not um, even an event now. Yeah, so last year, people finally... I mean, I have a, I have a view on this. Okay. Surely, Go for it. surely, people who were nominated before and won awards before, they could see that it was all just awful. Mm-hmm. It was all just a bunch of white foreign press people slapping each other on the back and going to parties with film stars. Mm-hmm. They must have seen that, but they carried on with it until it became a massive problem. Well, yeah, until until enough people pointed it out that some kind of inertia yeah. caused yeah. a boycott. So, this, so, yeah, you're quite right in that this year's ceremony was not televised. There was nobody there to actually receive any awards. Mm-hmm. Um but they did it anyway because mm-hmm. they're self-important. <laughs> I think, well, we'll just carry on doing it anyway, even though there's. I mean, I do, uh, people say that the Golden Globes don't matter, but for members of the Academy who vote at the Oscars, who never watch movies, <laughs> it gives them an idea of what to watch because they think, oh, that won a Golden Globe, so yeah. I'll watch that. You know. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Even though they all get screeners, they all get DVDs delivered to them to watch um, of the movies that have been nominated. Well, presumably it will um, it will disappear into obscurity now. Well, hopefully, yeah. Hopefully it will do, because for too long it's just been a, an exercise in backslapping and, and um, hanging out with the stars. Yeah. So, uh, what we're going to talk about this evening is The Matrix Resurrections. Are you ready for it? Yes. I am ready. I am absolutely 100% okay, okay. clear for it. So, I should tell you before we start that I decided, and I was very glad that I did this, to watch the three preceding films before we went to see The Matrix Resurrections, which is the fourth film in the series. So, let's talk a little bit about the three preceding films. So Okay. Um, the first one was called The Matrix, and I, when it came out, I was besotted with it. Yeah. It's a sci-fi film, um, and everything about it is just kind of really cool. Cool is the main word I'd use for it. I went to see it at the cinema four times. Wow. Um, I don't think I've been to see any other film at the cinema four times. I went to see, I'm trying to think now. I think I went to see Rogue One three times, wow. at least. But I've never been to see something four times, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it it features a very ordinary geek who turns out to be incredibly special, just like Harry Potter, and who discovers... <laughs> and every other yeah, hero. 
and he, dis- he discovers that the world is all a big computer simulation and actually there's a real world outside um, and all the humans are being kept prisoner uh, in order to be used as uh, CPUs in a computer but that was considered too difficult for hu- for normal people to understand so they changed it into batteries which doesn't make any sense yeah the matrix was famously shut down for a month I think by Warner Brothers because they didn't understand it <laughs> During production, really? So they were on. They they came on set and they were like, "So what's happening here? And what's happening here?" And they're like, "No, no, this is getting shut down. You so, need to, you need to figure this out." So anyway, so it features lots of people being cool in cool clothes and sunglasses, trench like, coats and sunglasses. Yeah, it's sort of retro. Like even at that point, this was in the nineties. It was kind of a retro cool look. Um, but anyway. Um, and lots of people kind of talking slowly, and then lots of kung fu fighting, and lots some, of kung fu. Some quite innovative special effects at the time, uh, particularly this thing called bullet time, where the camera there was an ultra slow mo, and the camera moved while the figures were frozen in the air. The cam- yeah. So the, the way they did that, in fact, they weren't the first people to use that. Is that is that true? No, that is true. Yeah. So I there was a. There was an advert for Rugby Union, I think maybe the World Cup, right? that used that bullet time method. Nice, nice. And the way it works is that it's it's a bunch of 35mm cameras. Yeah, you have many cameras, up. and then you use some yeah. kind of um, computer program to um, interpolate between the positions of the cameras so that you can do it. You know, these days it probably wouldn't be worthy of comment, but at the time it was pretty... I mean, it, looked, well, it is worthy of comment. It looks amazing. Because if you talk about the sequels... Well, so they never use it again. So, yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, the Matrix was an amazing film and and pretty self-contained. It kind of ends with the main character becoming essentially a kind of unstoppable superhero. But they yeah. always claimed uh, the 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 makers who were at that point were called the Wachowski brothers, and they're now the Wachowski sisters. Um, they are. Uh, they always claimed there were three. It was a three-film series from the beginning. And at the time, I didn't believe it. And watching them again, I do believe it. Anyway. You do? You think it, You think they always intended it to be three? Yes. I mean, that doesn't okay. mean that the that films two and three are good. But <laughs> um, I do believe that. Yeah. So the, the, the second film and the third film um, continue the story, which is weird because Neo's become basically unbeatable. So what are you going to do next? Um, but what they try and do is explore the weird world of what it's like to live in a computer simulation. So you meet some of the computer programs, the sentient computer programs who live in the Matrix, um, including, I think, the real disappointment, or two real disappointments about the second film particularly. There's a character called the Merovingian, who's like, that's pretty much the coolest name you could have, and is a rubbish it's character. He's just an irritating Frenchman. <laughs> That's a long list as well. <laughs> and um, <laughs> the, the the twins, I don't know what they're really called, but they... Oh, they're awful. Two characters who, who look kind of cool, who look the same as each other, uh, and are just not interesting they're in white, any way. white dreadlocks. They're white yeah. dudes with, with dreadlocks, yeah. Yeah. That look awful. And there's um, some fairly poor action sequences. I mean, I should give you a bit of context here. I watched this with all of my kids... I watched all three films with all my kids. My daughter gave up partway through the first one 
Wow. So that she's like, no, I'm out. Goes to show. <laughs> uh, my two sons and my wife watched all three, and they, my sons thought that two and three were good. Okay. Uh, they're not. Did they're you not have, good. did you sit them down and have a chat with them about that? <laughs> well, I was trying to be open minded. So my point, my purpose in watching these films was to get myself ready to get the full possible enjoyment from the fourth one, and not and to try not to be too critical of these of two and three. I should I should point out after loving the first one so much, I felt utterly betrayed by by the Matrix um, Reloaded, Reloaded, which is a terrible name, and. The Matrix. Revolutions. Revolutions. It's even worse. Which is yeah. also a bad name. Anyway, yeah. so there is a plot that runs through all three of these films, which is um, essentially... So in, in the first one, there's a there's kind of like a war between... Uh, it, the, a war situation is set up between humans and machines. Um, in the second one, we meet um, a character who kind of... Who built the Matrix, called the Architect, and we learn a bit the more Architect. about Architect. Yeah, we learn a bit more about what what the Matrix is like, you know, with all these sentient programs who have different levels of power and stuff. Um, and in the last one, there is a war between the humans and the machines, which is not won by one side, but resolved by making peace between the sides because mm. of a, a common enemy. So, so that story arc is actually pretty cool, right? Like, uh, you know... I'll just wind back, a little, yeah, yeah. wind back a little bit there. Isn't it alluded in, I think reloaded that all of this has played out before with other humans yes yeah it, and it's it, there to give humans something to hang on to whilst they're in the matrix well as batteries well i think it's it's inevitable so the, what, what they say is that there's always an anomaly so neo the this kind of superhero character will always pop up and it's happened i think six times before and each time yes. um that hero has kind of um risen up and then the the humans have been defeated and they uh, they leave a very small colony of free humans they don't completely get rid of it because this is kind of inevitable this cycle has to happen mm. um so they they defeat them but they don't completely destroy them and then they let it happen all over again because it kind of has to yes. it's like a release valve or something yeah that that's how they allude to it yeah is a is a release valve yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's right so neo our, our neo manages to escape this cycle um, and part of the reason for that, apart from him being so heroic and whatever, and love and stuff, because um, there's a love storyline with this character. There is. It's, it's a strong storyline as well. That love storyline. I mean, it's, there's no chemistry really because none of the characters move their faces because they're so cool. <laughs> they're so cool. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but the it's compelling as a viewer, especially given that if you accept the kind of male gaze of the movie, um, as a male viewer, it's a compelling love story. Um, if, you know, if coolness is the main measure of value as a human, because... I mean, it's it's a thing, isn't it? Trinity yeah. is very, very cool. Um, so as the uh, as a viewer, you think, wow, that's a cool person. Um, yeah. Anyway, so um, I was left after watching, just very briefly on my conclusions, after watching those three, um, I felt that The Matrix... The first film uh, was not as good as I remembered, but still mm. very cool and and a good film. And the the other two were not as bad as I remembered. And the main thing about them that was not good was they were not cool. You know, like it, it, it yeah. came to it became clear to me that I was quite shallow when I really liked the Matrix, and I actually just liked it because it was so cool. And number two and three are just not very cool, and they have quite poor CGI in places, which does not help. 
In places they do, yeah, definitely, yeah. And people kind of look like they're made out of rubber, and it's not very good. Yeah, I think the the standout action sequence in the second one is when Neo fights all the Merovingians' bad guys. Right. And there's a, a room full of weapons, and he picks up a, a different weapon and takes... <sighs> uh, I think that's actually nicely done. It's pretty stupid, though, isn't it? But the poorest one is the one on the freeway, which is awful. Oh, yeah. That's where people definitely look like they're made out of rubber. That's not know. good. But I would say the one where he fights Agent, all the Agent Smiths is even worse. Oh, that's, yeah, that's really bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, doesn't, it does not yeah. age well, the CGI, either. Whereas I would say in the first no. film, all the special effects age very well. That's because there's very little CGI in the first film. Right. It, it, um, it's really well done. In terms of, like, the, the fight sequences are all done using in-camera. Right, right, right. Um, using slow-mo or bullet time. Right. <clears throat> anyway, so <clears throat> that so the, the, the plot, to get to fill you in on the plot, the, the common enemy that the humans and the machines face is a, a virus that's kind of got, that's spreading through the Matrix, which is the computer that everyone lives in. Um, which is called Agent Smith, and it's a character we meet in the first film, and, it, and it's the whole thing is set up in the first film, you know, which is why it does make sense that it's a three-film series from the beginning. Um, Agent Smith is not... He appears to be just one of the machines that operates on behalf of the Matrix to kind of keep, keep the humans in order, uh, the agents, but actually... Um, he takes his earpiece out at one point in the first film, which demonstrates there's something funny going on with him. Yeah, and it demonstrates a sense of autonomy, doesn't it? Yes. So anyway, it turns yeah. out he is self-replicating all over the place, and he's able to get into the human world as well as the computer world, and he's very, very dangerous. He's going to destroy the entire Matrix. Uh, the humans and the machines need to gang up to defeat him, so the machines give up their almost entirely won war on the humans at exactly the crucial moment, and we assume from there on there's harmony between humans and machines. We assume so. And but at the expense of Neo's life, right? Yes, yeah, so he does die. Neo and Trinity die at the end. Oh, Trinity dies as well. Yeah, Trinity right. dies just yeah. before in a slightly random uh, spaceship accident. <laughs> a spaceship accident. <laughs> what do they call them? Hovercrafts. Hovercrafts? Uh, oh, yeah, I guess, yeah, they do, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think that's what they call them. Um, yeah. Just after they've flown into the sky, demonstrating that if you could just go like a half a mile up in the air above the clouds there's plenty of sunlight that you could use for power and you wouldn't need all those humans now that's interesting isn't it although to be fair it, the the electrical storm in the sky does um, kill all their computing devices so it would be quite difficult to use that energy but surely way yeah. easier than using all those humans yeah, yeah. so part of, part of the mythology is humans uh, actually destroyed the sky of the earth in order to r destroy the power source of the robots in their in their war failed against them, but it all failed, and they got they got enslaved. Yeah. So that's the backstory for the Matrix Resurrections. Okay. So the Matrix Resurrections features John Wick. Um, yeah, it's funny that John Wick's in it, which I thought, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, um, who's the new character of uh, Keanu Reeves? Um, and yeah, so he, uh, Neo Neo now. Is just looks exactly like John Wick and behaves pretty much like John. Well, it doesn't behave quite like John Wick. So, um, where we where we arrive is a, a Neo, or rather, um, and John. Is he called John Anderson? What's he called? Anyway, Mr. Anderson. 
What's his Tom. name? Thomas. Thomas, yeah, Thomas Anderson. Yeah. Um, is 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 in what looks like our world, um, working in a computer games company, hmm. where he is the famous designer of a game called The Matrix. In fact, a game, a game trilogy called The Matrix. Okay. Um, and the executives are forcing him against his will to make a fourth film. And they do actually mention... A fourth War- game. Sorry, a fourth game. Um, they mention Warner Brothers and that, that they are forcing them to make it against their will. Okay. So you can see immediately it's gone pretty meta. And that's meta, the, meta, yeah. It's the only way yeah. they can escape... <laughs> like basically, if you accuse yourself of something, then no one can accuse you of it, right? So yeah, I'm plagiarizing, I'm plagiarizing myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, if they if they say outright in the film that Warner Brothers forced them to make it, even though it's a terrible idea and just a cash grab, no one can say, <laughs> oh, this is just a cash grab and a terrible idea. It's like, oh, no, wait. <laughs> yeah. So he made this um, these this amazing series of games called The Matrix, and. And he, we see a session with his um, psychiatrist where um, they talk about the fact that he became like obsessed with this, this world that he'd created and started to believe it was real. His psychiatrist is played by Jonathan Groff. Who is Doogie Hauser? Nope. <clears throat> oh, no, it is. No, you're right. It is it's, Doogie Howser. It's Doogie Howser. <laughs> Jonathan Groff is also in this movie. But anyway, yes, you're right. It's Neil oh. Patrick Harris. Oh, yeah, sorry. Okay. Doogie okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, who's Jonathan Groff? <clears throat> uh, I'm not sure who he is in the movie, but uh, he plays uh, in the Broadway version of Hamilton. He plays King George III. That isn't going to help me. So and he's very funny. <laughs> so his psychiatrist yeah. is played by Doogie Howser, who, always, who now only plays... Um, like very clever evil people in films. Well, hang on, no, Doogie Howser wasn't evil. So. No, no, but after after Doogie Howser, like like I especially remember him from Starship Troopers. Oh, he's so good in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's so he's so playing the same character that he played in yeah, Starship basically. Troopers. He's good in um, Gone Girl, actually. Right, yeah. In which yeah, yeah. he plays an evil, smart yeah, guy, evil who, intelligent person who meets yeah. a sticky end. It's <laughs> to be said. So the um, so what Keanu Reeves does very well. Keanu Reeves playing the main character is he plays someone that I think a lot of people around my age and your age, Andy, can identify with, which is someone who was probably used to having a fairly stable mental state and now feels a little bit like it's all fallen apart around that. Right. Because <laughs> something's happened globally to uh, do that. Yeah, oh, I don't know. But um, he he plays very well a man who is not confident in his own perception of the world right and his own ability to cope with anything right so he he's lonely and alone and he kind of feels like he, he's failed in life even though he's had this great success behind him he's kind of stuck in this job his his partner in the in the games companies they used to have a good relationship where they were kind of in control of things and now they're in the pocket of the man kind of thing. Right. Um, and he he's unhappy and really, the main thing about him is he's just not confident in his own mind. So he's got this um, psychiatrist who's helping him. And we see them having a therapy session and talking about he had 
he had like a what do you call it like when you have kind of like a moment or a moment of clarity no the opposite oh anyway uh, it, it, an unmoment of clarity <laughs> unclarity anyway he, he like he had a moment where things got things went weird kind of thing and okay so oh, he meets quite early on he meets a character called Morpheus and Morpheus in the original films uh, is the person who explains to him what the Matrix is and gives him a choice he's, of, he's a plot cipher Morpheus isn't he and he's also in a way super cool yeah so, super cool yeah. so they clearly didn't get the person who played Morpheus um, no. for this film I've forgotten his name it's very famous Lawrence Fishburne Lawrence Fishburne um, they couldn't get Lawrence Fishburne uh, apparently because they got someone else who sort of looks a bit like a young Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> yeah, it's Yaha Abdul-Mateen second. Right. Uh, well, I've he, seen him quite a lot of stuff lately, actually. Oh, he's, and he's, he's, he's fine. Good. He's fine. Yeah. But, I mean, how could you follow Lawrence Fishburne's performance, really? It's a tough, it's a tough ask. I mean, if you're ask, asking someone to do an impression of a really <laughs> iconic character... Yeah, it's a tough ask. So, so th- um, and he also, uh, also in this film is Agent Smith, but not played by the same person either. Interesting. Um, played by someone quite different who's... I did know that Hugo Weaving didn't come back, but I didn't right. know that they'd basically recast... Have they recast him, Agent um, Smith, or...? Well, okay, so they have a little of... bit of plot, MacGuffin, to explain why people look different. So okay. what okay. happened is... Um, Neo wrote a little simulation. They call it a... Mo- uh, Modal, I don't know why they call okay. it a modal. Um, he wrote a little simulation just to try out something. I don't know whether it was to try out whether he's still in the Matrix or just like anyway. He wrote a little simulation, and these the characters from this simulation were able to escape it and get okay. into the Matrix because obviously Thomas Anderson Neo is in is in the Matrix, right? Otherwise, none of this yeah. is going to make any sense. So they the characters from that simulation, including Morpheus. Have managed to escape and get into the Matrix, and now they are able then to kind of break through and sometimes talk to Neo, um, right? And things get bad. So he 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 has these ep- episodes. Is the word I was looking for. He has these episodes right. where Morpheus appears and there's a huge gunfight, and then he goes to the psychiatrist, and the psychiatrist says to him, "If I took you to your office now, what w- what would we see?" And and Thomas Anderson says, "Well, you know, there w- there wouldn't be any damage from the gunfight, and everything would be as it." normally is and it's just I just made it up in my head so that is the main struggle right so previously the the matrix is all about at some point in this film we're going to tell you the real truth and then it gets revealed in this film it's it's more of a question of is any of this real or not so it sounds a lot like um oh what's that Martin Scorsese film with uh Leonardo DiCaprio, Shutter Island. Right, yeah. I mean, it's definitely from the same crop okay. of, of films as that. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't think it really explores the idea the way Shutter Island does, right? It it just uses it as a way of having everyone be back in the Matrix so they can do the Matrix again. Okay, right, yeah. So it, I would say Shutter Island explores it more thoroughly, definitely. But... It, what I like about it is I think Keanu Reeves does a great job of really looking like he doesn't trust himself, like I said. And that, that mm. really, I really identified with that, that sense of 
things being a bit out of control and, and you don't know if you can cope kind of thing. But also I'm guessing his psychiatrist is not the best person to be telling him this. <laughs> so Maybe. Well, they play it really well, right? So his psychiatrist yeah. um, it really uh, appears compassionate and the, the episodes uh, appear completely unbelievable. They don't, they jar with the real world, um, which is interesting because I don't feel like that. In The Matrix, it's very natural, the kind of transition into all these cool people yeah. shoot, shooting guns. And yeah, it, yeah. I think they do well in the res- in Resurrections to make it feel like this is this is probably not real kind of thing. You know, it, mm. it doesn't seem very real, and the psychiatrist seems like a nice bloke. Um, <laughs> but it turns out that um, you know Agent Smith is around, and the psychiatrist is not the architect, but like basically a new architect. So they remade right. the Matrix, and he's he's the the architect of the new Matrix that they've made. And a little bit more plot rubbish is in order to justify any of this, what happened was they, the humans thought they'd made peace with the machines, but they'd made peace with one of the factions of the machines. Okay. So there are other factions. So that's why there's, there's still a matrix and stuff like that. But anyway, I've missed out the main point of the film. So the main point of the film is there is a lady that Thomas Anderson has seen around but never spoken to um, who, who looks exactly like Trinity. His and, love and it is Carrie Ann Moss, presumably. And it is Carrie Ann Moss, looking um, brilliant and acting brilliantly. Uh, acting yeah. brilliantly, again, in, a, in quite a different role, and similar to the way Keanu Reeves is, is, is playing. Okay. Playing yeah. a, a much more... A character that's more grounded. A more so, grounded character. Yeah. Th- so this, this film is directly for people like me who love the first film and have got a lot older, and now they feel different, and these characters are just expressing that for them, right? So Carrie Ann Moss is married with kids, and um, not not particularly content in that, but just too busy to think about anything else. Yeah. Um, and um, Thomas Anderson has seen her from afar, but never spoken to her, uh, and is very is very drawn to her in some way that he can't necessarily explain. And at some point, it it transpires that he based the character of Trinity on her in right. the in the Matrix games that he made. Yeah, um, she looks remarkably like her, and stuff, blah blah blah. Um, now, actually, there's a bit that I didn't fully understand in the film where it turns out he doesn't actually look like how he looks, and I think maybe she doesn't actually look how she looks, really. <laughs> but that that doesn't really matter. So, doesn't, the, yeah, doesn't make any sense, or. Um, I don't yet understand it, and I don't think it needed to be in there. Okay. Um, uh, yeah. So the key, the key storyline of this film is that uh, Neo loves Trinity, and Trinity is trapped in the Matrix. And Neo, after a while, Neo is like out of the Matrix, and kind of that whole plotline of is this real just kind of evaporates because it, you know, obviously is. <laughs> yes. Um, Otherwise, the film doesn't work. Um, but Neo, but Trinity is is still stuck in the Matrix, and how how can Neo get her out? And um, he gets he gets back to um, the human colony, which is called oh Zion Zion. And were, um, were they having a rave like they had in the second? Oh movie? man! Well, so I tell you what, I watched. <laughs> can you imagine watching the the rave scene slash sex scene? No, um, with your your twelve year old child and your sixteen year old child. It no, was 
It was excruciating. It was not good. <laughs> but I I had not remembered that they explicit. I thought I'd kind of thought about that rave scene. Oh, that's a bit. That's a bit like it. It looks Rubbish. a bit like a sex scene. <laughs> it looks like a Duran Duran video from the nineteen yeah. eighties. Um, but what I hadn't remembered is that it's intercut with a sex scene. Yes. So it, it's yeah. very explicitly trying to like draw the parallel. Yeah. Um, it's awful. It's really. It's what I would call it is tone deaf. That whole yeah, thing is yeah. just tone and deaf. It, it, I mean, and, and actually, I would say the Matrix films, um, in terms of um, ethnic diversity of reasonably important characters, there, you know, there's black important characters and uh, characters with other ethnicities. Although the main characters are very firmly white, um, the that scene is actually, my wife pointed out, is a scene where all the ethnically diverse characters have a massive orgy and yeah. the two white main characters go away somewhere else and have their own, like, more civilised sex scenes. Yeah, really it's a bit awful. dodgy, that, isn't really it? Really awful. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's as I said, it's tone deaf and just awful and yeah. shouldn't even be there. Yeah, it's, it. oh, boy, was it bad. So, yeah, that yes, didn't, that didn't it help. really is bad. That didn't yeah. help with film number two. Anyway, yep. they go to Zion, and it's being run by a character who I wouldn't even have remembered at all if I hadn't rewatched the film. Is it Will Smith, Mrs.? Is it Jada Pinkett Smith? Um, I don't know. Because she is in it. <laughs> right, I don't know. She's Anyway, it's, um, I can't remember the name of the character, I'm afraid. But okay. like, a character who was a bit grumpy, but eventually came around in the third film, is now... Oh, the third film? Okay. Is now the hmm. boss of... Right. Um, uh, of Zion and she is not interested in helping Neo get Trinity out of the Matrix because what on earth would the point of that be but fortunately <laughs> some other people who who basically think Neo is so cool they'll do whatever he asks do agree to help him do even they think though, he's the one? I don't think I don't maybe yeah they, they probably do um, even though it's totally pointless oh by the way um, they were resurrected I can't remember why <laughs> Because it why. doesn't matter. Anyway, the machines the machines <laughs> resurrected them. Oh, yeah, it's, it's because they're vital. They're vitally important because they hold the Matrix together. Don't ask me why. Oh, okay. Okay. But yeah. they were resurrected and put in the special chamber where there's only two of them in those in those pods that they sleep in. Right. Um, uh, and they, they're vital, it's vitally important to the functioning of this new Matrix that they be near-ish to each other in the simulation, but not together. Otherwise, it will all collapse if they get together. Right. Don't ask me why. So, no. it so that is that is a lead in to the the other bit of the plot. So I was I was sitting there thinking, oh come on, the other films were about like discovering that the world was all a lie or a war between the humans and machines in which the humans' existence is a threat. And this one is about how can I get my girlfriend back? And <laughs> ju just as I was thinking that, they revealed the key extra plot point, which is it, they he, they need to get his girlfriend back to like defeat the machines so it's all fine that it's just about getting his girlfriend back oh okay so it is just about getting his girlfriend yeah. back yeah but that's yeah. okay because that that's what's needed to defeat the machines in some inexplicable <laughs> way yeah um so the other thing so they have this other the other meta thing that they do is they have a scene where they're talking about the fourth game and they and they have this big brainstorming session and they say this has got a in order you know one of the characters says in order for it to be a matrix sequel it's got to have uh, Kung Fu and another one says something else and they all, they all say what they think is the important thing and what one of them says which you'd like think oh that's awful is 
they say it's got to have bullet time. Bullet time is the thing about the Matrix, right? And basically what they've done is is been all meta and cool that the the stuff coming later in the film is all, is going to be all the things that they said, including the bullet time thing. So what they think is they've done... Bullet time is back. What they've done that they think is really clever is the the psychiatrist... No, the analyst, that's what they call him. He's called the analyst because it's kind of... The, ambi- the ambiguous. analyst. The analyst has um, built something into this new matrix, which is like bullet time, in that he can freeze time and then he can do stuff while time is frozen. Oh, okay. So there is a a quite tense scene where he fires a bullet towards Trinity's head, and then Neo Neo can move very slowly, and he can just move freely and talk freely. And Neo is trying to like stop the bullet, and it's really, really slowly moving towards Trinity's head, and it's pretty tense. And he's kind of that sounds pretty good in it yeah. in a cool way. So. That that meta scene they set they think they're being so clever they set up these all the stuff that's going to happen and one of the key things is going to be this bullet time thing so there's a few times where time's frozen and it's pretty cool I guess and it, it's certainly not I would say this film's not half as embarrassing as two and three in terms of silly special effects and and kind okay of rubbish, that's good I mean things characters. have moved on a lot since then so. yeah. And the, you know. but also it's just like it was the uncoolness that was a problem and I would say that cool is mostly back. Like and they have the Merovingian, but they don't feature him very strongly because he's that's pretty good because he's annoying. Yeah. yeah. So and there is an exploding helicopter. I noted. So I think you'll yes. like it. You'll like yes. it. Yes, I lo- I do like an exploding helicopter. <laughs> yeah. Um. There, I would say the fighting is a bit disappointing, especially as far as Keanu Reeves is concerned. I don't know whether he is not able. To, I know he did all his stunts in the Matrix, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know whether he insisted on doing all his stunts in this, um, but then wasn't quite up to it, or or what? Well, maybe he just didn't have time, or whatever. Anyway, the the fight scenes do a lot of cutting away from Neo, like he does a bit That's of fighting, a shame. and then it cuts away. Um, yeah. So I would say the fighting. There's a decent fight scene in like a dojo, but it does just feel like a tribute. A lot of this feels like a tribute to the Matrix. I think I've seen that in the trailer, right? Um, where they kind of. Yeah, they do pay tribute to the dojo scene in right. the first Matrix. Yeah. Yeah. And so what I've also missed out is that, that, that this film features quite a lot of the other films. Oh, okay. Um, what, the characters? And no, they're, they're like clips of them. So, really? Yeah. Okay. So there's a bit where some of the scenes from the other film are up on a big projector while the characters are moving around in front of it. Interesting. There's bits where it just cuts away to a memory or something like that. So... A lot of the time, it's kind of explaining because it's doing a lot of this meta stuff. It's explaining what, yeah, what's going on using the scenes from. So it really felt like this was aimed at me as like you know, someone who's like a massive Matrix fan. Really, what they want is to just experience the Matrix again. So how can we kind of give them that experience without it just seeming like they're watching the same film again? And it's a cash grab. Um, so you could say it's cynical, or you could say it's catering to that market. Or you could say it's so. What my what I feel about it at the moment, and maybe I'll change my mind. But what I feel about it at the moment is, if you had to make another Matrix film, I think they made a pretty good attempt at making it interesting. Okay, that's good. So on a human level, um, like I said, Neo is very relatable, and Trinity is very relatable, and the kind of hopelessness of you know, obviously, when we were young, our love could overcome anything. But at this point, come on, I've just got too many kids. 
I got responsibilities, <laughs> you know, I, like <laughs> got a mortgage to pay. Yeah, that's yeah. how that's how it feels. Um, but then, obviously, the the, the feel good plot is that like actually their love kind of does overcome that they have this connection that transcends even even that stuff well that but that's what that's what drives the plot of the first movie isn't it that's how neo survives yeah she does kind of resurrect him with her love she she resurrects him in the first movie yeah 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 yeah. so yeah that's fair so they love that love being a a key aspect was always like a well then actually he resurrects her in the second movie does he oh yes he does by oh that's bad that it's is so, so bad. bad. He like yeah. reaches inside her body and get, squeezes her heart. It's like, nope. Listener, my hand is actually on my face. Yes, and he's holding his <laughs> head like, uh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so I would say I enjoyed it. It was a good film. Um, I wasn't really invested. Like if I'd gone in really invested in it being brilliant, I think I'd have been very disappointed. Right. Um, but like I say, I really connected with with those two lead characters, and the meta, the whole meta thing. It was the only way to do. What else are you going to do to make it interesting in this universe? We've seen everything. We've seen, you know, weird computer programs and stuff that are sentient, and we've seen um, like it being revealed that you're actually in a computer program. So what are you going to do? Like, and what they did was they they were very open about what was going on and and they tried to make you know an interesting and different thing out of it so i i thought it was okay what it what it did not feature is that incredible scene from the trailer that was just the trailer the trailer that we watched with that song that's really cool i love all, that song and all the slow mo yeah what's the song called white white rabbit right yeah white rabbit which obviously is a perfect song name as well for the Matrix. Yes, it is, yeah. Because it yeah. features White Rabbit. Um, it, it, there's nothing like that in the film. So okay. that that trailer, I think, is just a little work of art. That yeah, it's a good like, trailer, isn't it? I'd like to yeah. watch again. Um, it doesn't really have anything. I mean, that, the song does feature, but not in that way. There's a parallel there to the one of the trailers for Star Wars Rogue One. Uh-huh. Features quite a lot of footage that's not in the film, right? Right. Uh, and some of that footage is really stunning, right? And really sells the movie, but it's not in the film, right? Oh, interesting. <laughs> Which is fine. I mean, that's how they sell a movie. I think we can make a bit of an analogy here, or a, a comparison here between Matrix Resurrections and Star Wars Episode Seven. Do okay, I mean what that? the uh, the Force Awakens? Yeah, the first of the new. Trilogy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's the Force Awakens. Yeah, yeah. So the Force Awakens has been rightly, I think, accused of being essentially like a remake of Star Wars Episode yes. Four. Yes, I think that's true. Yeah. And I think that that is like a cynical attempt to tap into exactly the same kind of person that I, you know, me type person who nostalgia was, was excited about the film, the the original Star Wars film, wants to watch it again, but doesn't want to watch it again. Wants something that feels the same. And and what they did was they just kind of did the same story with different characters. Yeah. And what they chose to do in the Matrix, they could have done that. There are other characters in. I haven't really talked about them because I don't consider. I don't remember them very well. It didn't seem that important to me. There are other characters in this. They could have had another Neo-like character waking up from the Matrix and it being their first yeah. time learning 
that they live in a computer, blah, blah, blah. And they didn't do that. So they didn't make that decision to essentially make the same film again. And I think that that's a braver and better decision. Do you think it leaves the door open for more movies? Definitely. Essentially? Yeah, yeah it does. Yeah, okay. and I, to be honest, I don't feel that optimistic about that prospect, given okay. what happened last time. Unless somebody else steps in to make them, maybe. Maybe. They hand it over to somebody else. Maybe. I'd like to see a Matrix movie made by Denny Villeneuve. but uh, Yeah, we'd li- you'd like anything made by Denny Villeneuve. Anything. Anything. <laughs> yeah, so this yeah. was this was made by Lena Wachowski, which is one of the original directors. Yes, that's right, yeah. Um, yeah. But I don't know much more than that about, about... I mean, it does feel like someone trying to do a good job of it. Not just cynically. I mean, that's good to that's good to know. It's not just a cynical cash grab. That it I mean, does I think, try and bring something fresh and interesting yeah, to I mean, a I very well worn genre. I would not. I would not be at all surprised if we found that a number of the people involved in making it were doing a cynical cash grab. But I do feel like there's at least some aspects of the production, probably Lena Wachowski among them, who are doing their absolute best to make a good film under those circumstances. Yeah, I think I think the key thing here is that it's been a long time since the last Matrix movie. Yes. And if they wanted to do a cynical cash grab sequel, they would have done it by now. Yeah, I mean, I actually think a reboot of The Matrix would be an, a nice, fun thing to watch, you know. So yeah, I, I, yeah, they could, I can they see could that. grab cash from me by With doing new that. new cast, new cast, yeah. new directors. Um, then I could mo- moan it. about how it wasn't as cool as the first one and whatever, you know. But. Yeah, hand it over to Denny Villeneuve and, you know... <laughs> Everything will be fine. It'll be replaced by a three and a half hour movie with a lot of mist. And... I'd be happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Electronic music, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, that sounds good. Um, I'm so looking I, forward to watching it. Yeah, I hope yeah. I hope I haven't oversold it to you. I'm a bit worried you're going to watch it and think it was more cynical than, than I no, think. No, I am looking forward to it. I am really looking good. forward to it. I just good. didn't really get around to going to see it. Right. At the cinema, that and the new Spider-Man is the right. other one I'm looking forward to as well. Right, I lost interest in anything like that a long time ago. Yeah, I know you're not keen on those, but but um, I like yeah, I, I, I'm looking <clears throat> forward to hearing what you thought of it. How how invested are you in the Matrix as a series? Um, I'd say less so these days. So I mm-hmm. I would quite like to see someone mess with it and do something interesting with it. I'm mm-hmm. not really invested. Very much at all. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I think the first movie is... Actually, I watched it fairly recently as well because mm-hmm. I'm going through all of the old movies with with my son, actually. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and and I kind of felt the same way about it that you did. I, I watched it and I thought, this isn't quite as good as I remember it being. Mm-hmm. It's actually quite slow and it drags a bit in a few places. Well, I didn't um, find it slow, but I just found it quite empty, really. Like... I thought it was rich with, with all this amazing meaning and stuff. And it's not though, is it? It's a bit. It's just, kind of, it's just sort of an action <laughs> movie. With, with, it's with, an action with, movie with references. You know, like it has like a messiah type thing, and it has some references to other kind of religious yes. concepts and stuff. So it has but, the whole thing. What, what is it? What is it um, that they sold it to Warner Brothers? It's robots versus kung fu. That is exactly <laughs> what it is. It delivers on that, and plus guns, lots of guns. Guns, lots of guns. Yeah. So it, um, it's got. It's still cool. It's still cool. I'm not at all. I'm not really invested in it at all. I think the sequels are, as we discussed, variable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's Basically, things in them that I good. quite like. Right. right I think right. the third movie is a shocker. Right. 
is a shocking piece of work. I, I think the second one has a couple of bits that I do like. That's interesting. I, I found the third one a bit more watchable than the second one. I, okay, that's interesting. The, the big fight with Agent Smith, the horrible um, dance orgy. Ugh, the rave. Yeah, <laughs> rave. Um, uh, you know, there were bits in the second one. And then title, the, like The Matrix Reloaded, it's such an awful title. I don't actually hate that title. Okay. I think it's better than Revolutions. Revolutions. Yeah, it's okay. much better than Revolutions. Okay, okay. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing them shake it up and make right. it interesting. Well, I, I hope I hope you like it, and, and I would be interested to hear from you. I would, by the way, listener and you, recommend watching, holding your nose maybe if you have to, but watching two and three right. before you go, because it, it the fourth movie is even-handed in, ta- in a, about how much it references each of the three previous movies. Okay, so it, it gives them There is no fair, shame. There is absolutely no place, shame yeah. displayed about how two and three were rubbish. It treats them as a complete story that you will know when you come into this movie. Okay. Well, I, I admire them for that, at least. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure whether I do or not. <laughs> it's that you present all of your children and you say, yes, this These is the mine. good one. <laughs> These are the ones that are not so good, but we treat them all the same. <laughs> I'd never do that, by the way. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, so, if I, were then, if I were to ask myself the question, what does it all mean? I think what it all means is, um, yes, life is much more complicated than you thought it was when you were 20 years younger. Mm. Or is it 30 years younger? 20. Uh, um, it was released in 1999, so just over right, 20 right. years ago. So yes, life is a lot more complicated. Yes, you may well be more tired and more cynical in some ways, but you are still that person who's capable of love, and that love is still crucially important, the most important thing in your life. Mm-hmm. That's what I'd say the message is, and I can totally get on board with that message. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. So, I'm interested in seeing it, and I'm looking forward to it, definitely. Um, I've got a couple of epilogues to the Uh pod. uh uh So this week, um, as you know, today, I listened to the soundtrack to Blade Runner 2049. Right. And what jumped out at me immediately was that how, how married it is to the visuals. Right. Because when you watch the movie, the soundtrack seems oppressive and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. gloomy and really depressing. In in isolation, it's a lot more ambient and yeah, um, yeah a lot more ambient and listenable in isolation. Right. Right, right, right. So I think that's that's a testament to how married it is to the visuals, how they're yeah. perfectly synchronized. Huh. Uh, and it has really nice moments to it. I mean, it does have also those moments of bombast that you hear. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but they've also in, they've included um, uh, when when Kay goes to see Deckard, mm-hmm. and there's uh, that's the only bit I remember from that film. There's some there's a track by Sinatra that plays. There's a couple of tracks by Elvis with yeah. some. They include those on the soundtrack. Right, interesting. And I let them play because they work really nicely with it in terms of right. telling the story. Okay, okay. Um, so, yeah, that was that was fun. And 
I've watched a lot of movies, of which we need to get through a huge right, backlog right, right. of films on this podcast. Not now, obviously. All right, so we won't do them. I've got a couple of things we've been watching that I can talk about. Have you got anything okay. you've been watching? Uh, so I have been watching... Oh, we finished Watchmen. Okay. Which is HBO's um, sequel to the graphic novel mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. dotted line to the to the Zack Snyder movie, but... Okay. It is it is a sequel to the graphic novel. It is stunning. Really? Absolutely stunning. Yeah. It it is um one of the one of the greatest bits of TV I've ever seen. Wow. That, yeah. So am I just not interested because it's still superhero rubbish? But Watchmen isn't superhero rubbish. Okay. Watchmen is um exists in a world where superheroes do exist, but they are feared and vilified and uh, rather than being, you know, sort of held up as mm-hmm. people to love, they're feared and they're not at all virtuous. You know, they're just right. like normal human beings who are a bit flawed and a bit messed up. That sounds pretty so, cool. So that's what the original comic book is all about. Well, graphic novel by Alan mm-hmm. Moore is all mm-hmm. about. This sequel takes it up to the present day and places it in a an alternate reality where... Uh, US presidents can now serve for many, many terms. Right. And seems a bit prescient. And um Doctor Manhattan, who is a character from Watchmen, has been living on Europa, one of the moons of Jupiter. Okay. Because he's he's basically all powerful. He's a he's he's sort of a Neo type figure, but even more powerful than Neo. Right. And the trouble with any character with godlike powers like Superman for example, mm-hmm. is that there's no sense of jeopardy, so you have to take them off the table. Right, right, right. And that's what Watchmen is all about, is how do you deal with a character who is basically omnipotent and all-powerful? Right. What do you do about that? So I'm not, I'm not going to tell you the answer, but um, mm-hmm. fantastic show. Really, really fantastic. Oh, that sounds, sounds plausible. Um, what else? What else have we been watching? We, we, we are still watching a BBC show called Show Trial. Okay. Which is pretty good. Uh, which is a legal drama. That's quite fun. Uh, still watching The Outlaws, Stephen Merchant's That's one of the ones I was going to mention. Okay. So I won't, I won't talk too much about that then, but we're enjoying that. Although although I would say, I think the show could work as a half-hour show quite happily. I sometimes okay. feel that there's not enough material, but I'll let you right. comment okay. on that as okay. well. Um, hmm... And oh, all the Christmas bake-offs, Christmas and New Year bake-off. <laughs> oh, we haven't watched any of them. I think um, our kids have lost interest in Bake Off. That's a shame because it's brief, still good. Yeah, brief um, enjoyment of uh, it. I have been watching on my own um, a show called C S E E, which is an Apple TV show with Jason Momoa and Dave Bautista is in oh, the second Dave series, uh, which is very good. That's set in a a future that appears to be like five or six hundred years in the future of now, mm-hmm. in which there was a global pandemic, mm-hmm. <laughs> and most people died. The people who survived uh, were blind, and their children are also blind. And then, but some people can see. Wow! So, so it's very high concept, right? It's it's uh, and because it's Apple, it's just it looks phenomenal, right? It looks like. 
yeah, everything everything looks like it's got a massive movie. Every episode looks like like it's got a massive movie budget attached to right, it. Right, right. So it looks great. What else have I been watching? Uh, Cobra Kai series four on Netflix, which is still good fun. Uh, a show called Raised by Wolves, which is an HBO Max show. That is that Kathleen Moran. No, no, actually, no. That's the name of a book, isn't it? Yeah. But no, this is uh, a sci-fi. This is a sci-fi show set far future where um, humans are leaving Earth because it's messed up. You know, it's Mm -hmm. a familiar story. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there are androids in the style of... Actually, they're not really in the style of... Actually, they're a bit like Crichton, these androids. (laughs) (laughs) They're a bit literal and a bit dorky. Right, right, right. right, right. They don't look like Crichton, but they kind of behave a bit like Crichton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, some of them are sort of menial labour, but some of them are like super powered, uh-huh. um, and they are trying to raise human children on this planet called Kepler twenty two B, which actually exists, but it's a okay. long way from Earth, like five hundred okay. okay. light years away. Right. Uh, that's that's very good. Right. Yeah. Sounds right. So a lot. Of, I've been watching a lot of stuff. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So we've been watching Outlaws. Yep. which is a BBC um, thing about some people who are on community service and then like um, so it's it's um, people from different strata of society or different parts of society um, meeting up and being thrown together in this in this weird situation um, and the characters are really nice they're a lot that most of them are fairly obnoxious when you first meet them. And then you grow to understand and like them as time goes on, even the obnoxious ones. And I won't say much more, but you haven't watched the end yet, is that right? No, no. I think I think we've watched the penultimate episode. So, well, I would say I would say the ending really, really pays off. It's really, it really does the business. So um, I'll be interested to hear what you think of the ending. But generally, uh, really nicely made um, characters. Really good characters and real jeopardy. Goodness, yeah, yeah. They 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 feel like normal people. I mean, it helps that they're British, I guess, for me. Um, but they really feel like normal people, and then they get into really kind of realistic seeming scrapes, and you really there's real danger of kind of completely ruining their life, kind of thing. So yeah, what um, I like about it, jeopardy. the main thing I like about it is it's shot in Bristol. Right. Yeah, and the accents are awesome. The accents and, are awesome. And I recognise locations, so right, right, that's right, right. nice. Yeah. Um, when Stephen Merchant, when even part of Stephen Merchant's body enters the frame, I'm already <laughs> laughing because he's he is funny looking. He is so funny. He and he, he knows he he, he uses, plays on that. Yeah. yeah, he uses his um his the way he looks brilliantly, but also the way he the way he acts is just is just he is just a comic genius. So he provides yeah. a lot of comic relief. Yeah, he really is. He's very funny. Um, and the other thing I wanted to mention was we've been watching Money Heist on Netflix. Is that any good? Uh, yeah, it's surprisingly good. Okay. It's got a terrible title. But yeah, it's, it's an awful title. That's why I've avoided it, actually. It's, but, um, um, it's Spanish, and the title in Spanish is not Money Heist. I don't know why they... I guess they wanted to just give us as kind of as literal a, generic a title name, as yeah. they could. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> But yeah, that is a um, heist drama about um, a group of criminals who are who are 
doing the most the cleverest possible heist you could think of you know like take a normal heist and then just add layers and layers of super clever preparation they prepared for it for like nine months or something and they uh, you know it's just a the you know the level of preparation is remarkable and um yeah the characters are really um compelling and fun and you care about the the different people and all the different dangerous situations they end up in and the plan kind of doesn't work out and then you think maybe it's going to work out and it doesn't work out um the only thing that i would the only complaint i would have is that we've just finished series one and it didn't resolve it ended on a cliffhanger Uh and i i thought that that was plenty like it you know that should have been the end of the story but they but there's going to be more there are four seasons i I i seriously hope they don't try and string out one heist across four <laughs> seasons. Um, but, yeah, uh, I've been really enjoying it. Excellent. Well, the other thing i watched that I've stalled on is a show called The Wheel of Time. All right. Which is based on a series of books. Um, it's Amazon's supposed answer to Game of Thrones. Oh, okay. But the original reviews that came out said, this is Game of Thrones in cosplay, which I thought was just an amazing (laughs) review. It's not as bad as that. And it is actually quite entertaining, but some of the effect, some of the VFX are really poor. (laughs) So we contrast that to C Mm -hmm. and, you know, the, the difference is marked in terms of you've got two, TV companies who've got a lot of money to spend on things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Apple have just really stuck it with... They've really stuck the landing with C, whereas Amazon have dropped the ball with right. Wheel of Time. That that makes me kind of worried about their Lord of the Rings um, TV series that's incoming this year. Yeah. Um, I hope they don't mess it up, because it doesn't look great looking at the Wheel of Time. Maybe they right. just ran out of... No, they don't run out of money, because Jeff Bezos has got all the money in the world. Well, I mean, it depends. So I think someone somewhere has found the formula for good TV shows, which is find someone that you trust and give them enough rope that they they can really go to town without you interfering at all. Yeah. For like a whole season or whatever. And if Amazon are not doing that, that's a problem. Yeah, it but appears it, to be a it, problem, yeah. I could well believe that what they did is they didn't do that. They they drafted in any old person and said, we need Game of Thrones, so can you make us something a bit like Game of Thrones? Which is and basically could, what they said, yeah. I could also believe that that's not the way they they set up Lord of the Rings. They probably found someone who, like, you know, who loves Lord of the Rings and is, is very hugely talented and given them lots of rope. So it may not... What I'm saying is, they may, may not, not be, be related... Friends, yeah. Yeah. It may not be related, yeah. No, I see what you say. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. Oh, also, I tried to watch On the, the second hand, episode Am- of The Amazon, Expanse. Amazon are <laughs> uh, cynical to a fault. So yes, they, they are. Yeah, Sorry, they you, really you tried are. to watch second season? I think I've watched second season of The Expanse. No, I tried to watch the second episode. Well, second episode? Okay. I turned it off after 30 seconds. Why? I just can't do it. What, what about it? It's just so self-consciously like, ooh, we're trying to be a bit like Battlestar Galactica with shaky cam, and I just can't do it. <laughs> I liked the like the gritty uh, private eye thing. I thought it was fine. 
it just wears that stupid hat. It's like, why would you wear a hat like that in the future? You don't <laughs> have like to wear hat. a hat like that. I like his hat. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm afraid I, I can't do okay. the expanse. Okay, I did try, well, though. That's, um, that's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Forget about it. I mean, I, I'm not like, you know, I'm not the biggest Expanse fan. I just thought it was. I de- gave it another decent. go because I've just heard so many people talking about how good this latest series is. So I thought, I need to try and get into this. Right. I just couldn't do it. Right. Yeah. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. Well, there's plenty more televisions in the sea. There are indeed. There's a lot of stuff to watch. So much stuff to watch, yeah. Oh, we all, we started watching a show on Disney Plus called Only Murders in the Building. Okay. Which is a whodunit. It's a murder mystery with Steve Martin, <laughs> Martin Short, right. and Selena Gomez. And, I mean, in the first place, it's great to see Steve Martin and Martin Short back doing something together. Right. Who's I think Martin the three, Short? Who's my, so have you seen The Three Amigos? Yeah. Okay, so he's one of the three amigos. Wow. The three amigos. Okay. Okay. So it's great to see them back together doing something again because uh-huh. Steve, I think Steve Martin's one of the funniest men on the yeah, planet. Yeah, he's funny. He's funny. Um, and it's it's great to have it remind me that yes, he is one of the funniest men on the planet. <laughs> he can be funny without actually doing anything. You know, he's yeah. one of those kinds of people. Um, but it's really good. It's uh, it's it's about three folks who are obsessed with true crime, and in the building that they live in New York a murder happens mm-hmm. and they're like oh this is our bread and butter so they start a <laughs> podcast called <laughs> Only Murders in the Building and they're trying to find out who did it <laughs> it's very good tell you the other thing I've been watching a lot of uh, um, there's a YouTube channel called Screen Rant and they uh, yes a, yes I, I go to the series, website yeah alright they have a series called Pitch Meeting okay and uh, it's it's someone pretending to be a writer pitching a movie to a producer um, and it goes through all the famous movies uh, the, the one person plays both characters which is quite funny as well um, and he just explains the plot so essentially it's a vehicle for explaining the plot of movies and pointing okay. out all the inconsistencies yeah. uh, and problems in them and he, he does it really well, he's got all these catchphrases and things um, which come up in every episode but it's everyone is laugh out loud funny even though it's the same catchphrases and, and what's it called? Pitch Meeting Pitch meetings, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna have to check that out. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I'd highly recommend it. And any film you like, you, I can recommend watching it, and you, you'll you'll laugh about how silly the film you like is, and how it doesn't <laughs> nice. make any sense. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that is good. He did wow. it with Matrix uh, Resurrections. Oh, did they? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other they d- they do something like that at the end of Total Film. Um, they call it sixty second scene. Right. In which they break down a, no, 60 second movie, I think. They break down an entire movie into 60 seconds. Right. And they just point out all the stupid things that happen in it. (laughs) Uh, So uh, it always makes me laugh. Even if I haven't seen the film, it's like, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, you definitely don't have to have watched the films to enjoy pitch meeting either. No, no. Cool. All right. I don't got nothing else. Many recommendations. Many Um, recommendations. Got any plugging? Uh, my wife now has a blog, oh. a wordpress.com blog, uh, Cockerel, nice. Cockerel Art, it's called. I don't know if she started posting yet, but um, mm-hmm. 
She will be soon. I think her first post is going to be all about socks and how socks are awesome. Nice. Well, we'll post a, a, a link on the Good River Andes, but only when there's actually a, a, a blog yes. post up there. Yeah, I'm not sure whether it's gone live yet, but she's certainly um, writing posts for it at the moment. Cool, but cool, I don't cool. have any plugs of my own, no. Do you? Plugging. Um, I recently wrote a blog post about our new air source heat pump. Oh, yes. Um, and like the fact that we're using one third as much energy, so we've reduced our energy usage by two thirds, but we're paying one third more for the privilege of using that energy because electricity is so much more expensive than gas for the same amount of energy. Um, so there's graphs and things of, of um, energy usage, but there's also a bit of stuff about my experience of um, what, what like I didn't even know what a heat pump was until we did all this and stuff. So I just explained mm. a little bit about what a heat pump is, what it's like, the fact that it can replace your boiler and heat your water and your radiators, and it does work even in a house like ours that is quite poorly insulated. So, yeah, if you're interested in getting an air source heat pump, which will significantly reduce your energy usage and make you, therefore, more environmentally friendly. But, but it will, will increase your costs. More. Yeah. I mean, when the gas prices inevitably go up, that may change. And if we manage to get solar panels, that will also improve the situation a lot. But right now, that is the situation. Um, anyway, there's a little bit more. If you're interested in getting an air source heat pump, it might be useful. And some people on Twitter found it today. So um, uh, there was a decent amount of discussion of it on Twitter, which was exciting. That's no good. one was mean, though. So that's good. That's good. Not yet. Not yet. Just wait for the gas lobby to get hold of it, and then people will be mean about it. Yeah. But and then at the uh, moment, yeah, it's all positive. Yeah. Then a little bit of um, future plugging. I'm currently working on one of my many, many, many side projects. I'm currently working on a Secret Santa website. So if you and a group of friends want to have a, a Secret Santa, which is basically where you get, uh, everyone gets assigned one person to give a gift to, Instead of everyone buying everyone gifts, you just get one person you buy a gift for. Sometimes it's even secret, so you don't know who's giving you that gift. If you if you do it in person, the best thing to do is use a, a hat with pieces of paper with names written on, right? A sorting decide, hat. To decide who gets <laughs> to, to give a present to whom. But if you're yes. not all, all in the same room, a website might help you. And there are some websites out there, but they're pretty annoying because they're trying to sell you products. So I'm making yeah. a website that will not be trying to sell you products. It'll just assist you in setting up your secret center. So it's not ready yet, but I'll be working on that. That does sound good, actually. It's not particularly interesting on the 10th of January when we're recording, but um, I've got to, if anyone's going to use it at the end of the year, um, it could take you I need that to talk to about it now. It, it yeah. could take me that long to get it working, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or, or to ditch it and do something else. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I've got to talk about it early so that people um, get on board with it and know it exists by the, when, they, when it becomes useful. I mean, obviously, yeah. Secret Santas are not just for Christmas. Um, and even if you don't celebrate Christmas, you might have other occasions where you want to do a gift exchange like this. But um, Remember, kids, Santa is not just for Christmas. <laughs> Santa oh, no. is not just for Christmas. Hang on, no, he is. They are. Or, or as my wife <laughs> said, when, when my... Um, Sister bought a hamster recently. Remember, a hamster is not just for Christmas. It'll probably last all of January as well. Yeah, and keep you awake at night because they're nocturnal. Hamsters are the most bizarre pet. <laughs> they don't do anything during the day. <laughs> but they wake up at night and they're noisy, <laughs> running around and around in the wheel, scratching. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. No, none, no sense at all. <laughs> all right, listener. Well, if you want to send us hate about hamsters... 
Uh, you know sure where to will. find us yeah. on the social medias. Uh, we like we like to hang out on Mastodon. We're also reluctantly on Twitter. Reluctantly, but yeah, indeed. Um, but you can find us at artificialworlds.net slash goodrobotandies. Or if you just search for Good Robot Andes, you should find us. Please subscribe and tell your friends about us. What tell do people say? Oh, uh, give us a yeah. give us a review. Yeah, give, give us, us a review. rating on on um, Apple Podcasts. Yeah. And yeah, try and download the podcast as many times as you can. Yes, we love that. <laughs> yeah, we're we're on Spotify as well. Yeah, we're on Spotify. We're on Apple, um, whatever they call it now, Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts, yeah. Um, we have a good old-fashioned RSS feed, so you can use AntennaPod or any other. Um, I use good what do I podcast use? downloading program? Podcast and radio, no, Podcast Addict on Android, right, right, which right, I like right. a lot. Right. Yeah. Um, you can use all of that because we've got a proper RSS feed, not like some of this rubbish that only goes out on Spotify or something like that. Oh, I, I don't like those. No, we're on some of those other things as well, like Stitcher and things. We're even Stitcher, on SoundCloud. SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio think, as well. Yeah, we're, I think we're the only podcast on SoundCloud. <laughs> no one, <laughs> no one listens. I diligently upload our thing to SoundCloud every time, and all that ever happens is someone spams me with a link saying, "Hey, I listened to your music, and I think I could sign you up to my record label." Or no, you or, haven't listened. <laughs> have you haven't you? listened. Mate. No, <laughs> go away. <laughs> yep. Oh, actually, before we go, uh-huh, uh-huh. just looking at the credits for Matrix Resurrections, uh-huh. one of the writers was David Mitchell, not the comedian and um, writer David Mitchell, but the, the writer Cloud Atlas. Cloud Atlas, yes, which right. was a which was a Wachowski's project from a few years ago. Right, right, right it's right. very good, Cloud Atlas. It's very strange. Oh. It's very good. Definitely. I'm only aware watch. of the book. Is that there's a film? Is there? Yeah, they made a movie of it, which I really enjoyed. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. All right, thanks a lot. Thank you. Andy, thanks, listener, and see you next time. Goodbye.